0: G'day, my name's Chris Anderson. Welcome to Brisbane Wisdom. And today we're here with Grant Menzies from Adena Watches. Now, Adena Watches are in their 50th year this year and and Grant's dad, Bob, set up the business in 1971. And so what I'd love to do today is walk through the story of Adena. Grant, what can you tell us about yourself?
1: It's been a bit of a journey, that's for sure, Chris. Thanks for having me along. Um, (laughs) It's an exciting journey. And one that you know goes back to when I was a kid. Actually, it's, it's my 50th year this year, and so between the business and myself, it's certainly the festival of 50. Um, and you got to go. You've got to think that we are a family business, and we make watches, which is kind of sexy, but <clears throat> a family business nonetheless, and one that started at home. Dad got talked into starting our business by a mate, and he was going to import components for us to put, or for Dad to put together. Um, And then he was gonna sell them out on the road as well. So (coughs) Dad then wanted to, uh, didn't really believe that this could come off the ground. So at 27, he headed over to, to Switzerland to the World Watch Fair. And he was lucky enough to meet some people along the way that without those initial meetings, like the way that we go about making our watches could be very, very different. And I think anywhere in business, you just need that element of luck to get yourself going. Fantastic.
0: And so, what would
1: you say that the luck was that Bob oh, had at that the, point? Oh, the luck for sure was he, he met this guy. So he, but he, thinking back to 1971, there's no internet, so he's not on the he's not on the web trawling through to see who's a presentation box maker. So he's looking up trade journals, who makes presentation boxes. The best people that were making these presentation boxes were actually in Bangkok. He had to stop in there you know, on the flight to Switzerland. So he stopped in Bangkok and he spent um, a day there going to a couple of box manufacturers. So he came across this one particular box manufacturer that had an element, another element to it. They had a Swiss sales manager and said to dad, Bob you're really entrepreneurial you know we can sell you the watch case and we can sell you the watch dial and then you can put it in the box i'll give you all these connections in switzerland that you can um that i that you can meet up with for movements hands dials crowns and uh, then you can put them all together and dad's like oh i don't i really want to do that i think i'd really just prefer to um go to switzerland meet someone we just buy the watch we put our name on it And I just buy the box off you and the job's done. I said, no, no, Bob, you're really entrepreneurial. You can do it. It's like, oh, I don't know about that. How many do I need to buy? A hundred. A hundred? So it was just like a hundred seemed like, in today's term, a million. So anyway, Dad went to the Switzerland. And sure enough, this letter of introduction, and that's how things were done. It wasn't like on LinkedIn you just talk to this old mate, he's coming to sort of see you. He had a physical letter of introduction that he would go up to a, a booth and say, oh, I'm Bob Menzies from Australia. I'm old mate's friend. Um, he's suggested that I come by and introduce myself. And so those introductions were the foundation to us making our watches the way we make our watches now. So when dad had to come, after making all these connections, when he came back to Australia, he stopped off in Bangkok again. And he said to this guy, Ralph Schneider, who went, went on to own his own watch company called Ulysse Nadine, Uh, He said to Ralph, he said, look, I think I'll go for it. So I'll order a hundred of these cases, a hundred of those cases, and I'll order some dials, reds and greens and blues. It was the 70s, you know. So you get away with some outlandish sort of colour. You brought them all back and told mum, and mum's like, really? You got to do it all yourself now. He's like, yep. And so that stock started coming in. And the first little spot they had was not far from where we are now. It was in Lotus Street, just in Wollongabba. Flooded, mosquitoes used to bite him, the sand flies used to come in under the door because it was all marshy down that part of the Gabba. Still floods there in that same spot. But um, then he thought, no, I can't stand the mozzies and everything. And so he set up at home, and then that led to our probably first real offices, which were in Eagle Street, uh, which invariably then got torn down um, to make way for Riverside. And then we moved back to the Gabba where we were down in Holden Street for, I don't know, 20 odd years and then before moving to our um, headquarters here on Logan Road in the Gabba. But that element of luck, Chris, to sort of, you know, you could, maybe you could have done, but maybe not as well. But once you start falling into the component village, it's a pretty small village. And if you're working with the best component makers in the world, which Luckily we are, and that all comes back to those initial introductions. Um, we we're able to put out a, a, a very quali- high quality watch They're equal to some of our big Swiss competitors.
0: Mm. And I, I know having worked with you, that both you and Bob have a bloody big work ethic. Like I know from what I've seen of Bob in here on Sundays, like late on normal days, that he's not even working the hours that he previously was when he started it. Can you can you walk me through how that looked when you were growing up as a boy?
1: He, you'd always see him, especially when I was a young boy, you know, he'd go to the office, that office that I said in Eagle Street, and then he would come home, um, have dinner with the family. He was always quite big on making sure that we had dinner around the, the, down the dinner table every night as a family, and then he would go back to this it was where the hot water system was, in, you know, in our family home out at Mount Gravatt. And he would sit there in this, no air con, you know, he had a nice bench light. We still have that bench and that bench light is it's part of our history. You know, that bench It's done so much work with Dad, mm-hmm. And the man would stay up till two in the morning. The capacity for work, it was it's still, it's still amazing. You know, uh, the guy is 79 this year, um, and to, to have him still a six to seven day a week fella. Sometimes I wonder what he does here on the weekends when he tells me he's working really hard. But in saying that, you know, credit where credit's due, he gets through a mountain of work and especially in the, in the watchmaking side of our business, um, he's a, a great example to all the young fellas that we have um, and not, not so young fellas working here that, um, can see that that the the owner and the founder of our of our business is leading from the front.
0: Mm. And so obviously you've you've seen this growing up, and you've you knew that there was maybe a chance that you could work with dad, and you had a chance to go overseas for a little bit. Can you walk us through what it was like coming back from overseas and having that opportunity to join the family business, and and what you're
1: able to do with it? I oh, the. Probably have to go back a couple of steps, you know. So when I was when I was at school, I, I had no real desire to come in and work here at Adina. I, I wanted to be a soldier, and uh, it was, you know, at school I was in cadets, and I, you know, that was where I was heading off to. And just one of those sliding door moments that I think probably most people have in life that uh, the door was there to walk through, but another door slid open to on somewhere else, and I just pivoted and went through that door. For whatever reason, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. I'd spent many holidays working, not in this particular factory, but in our old one, um, picking the orders. You know, when the reps came in off the road, you know, I'd pick them out and I'd run all the parts around to all the watchmakers that used to be in the city. You know, the, the, the apprentices thought that was a great game. That they'd, they'd, they'd take me in because I was like 17, 18. and. Um, the, the, those fellas, and they're, they're all keen smokers, so they'd be, sit, they'd be sitting there having a cigarette at the top end of the Queen Street, having a look at all the young ladies that were going. we'd always go at lunchtime, so there was plenty of uh, eye candy for these roosters to be looking at. But they thought it was great that this 12-year-old, the boss's son, is legging it all the way down the Queen Street moor, running up and down all these buildings, dropping off all these watch bars. Hello, Mr such-and-such, hello, Mr such-and-such. But the one you take your life in your hands it used to be the, the Woolworths building, it's long gone now, it's what, what they call the Queen Adelaide building or the Queen something building down at the, the bottom end of town. It had this lift where you'd have to have this handle, you'd put this cage to take to it together, and I used to dread going in this lift and just sit there. You used to have a lift operator sometimes, but if our mate wasn't there, you'd have to get in and go, so you'd have to do it exactly ride this lift and it gets up and you get to the next level and as the floors cut up, you've got to slow this lift down. I'm 12. I'm driving this lift. You know? Can you imagine that going on now? Woo, slow the lift down. So, you know, those days are well and truly gone, but you know, I used to do all that sort of thing and I think it gave me a good um, grounding in that we were a, a very customer focused business to 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 run parts into people in the city and to to go that extra mile to, to ensure that, that the service is at the, the next level. So what I ended up going, I ended up in hospitality and, and I understood service very, very well. You know, it's a high level of service with I worked in Five Star all around the world and so when I came home I thought oh, I think I'd like to get out of working at nighttime. I think I'd like to be a rep, you know, maybe for some sporting company. And Dad thought I had a pretty high regard from myself because, you know, in the in the mid nineties, it was no just Joe averages getting jobs for sporting companies. You know, they had to be playing for an A grade side so they could supplement their incomes. You know, so that the reps were Broncos players and all that sort of thing. That wasn't me, you know. So <laughs> when he said, "Well, I've actually got a repping job going," I sort of said, oh, right." Actually, what does a rep do? He said, well, what you have to do is you have to go out to the customer shops and show them our watches and work out what they've sold, what they need, introduce a new range. You're travelling and you, you love travelling. You love working with people. This is the perfect job for you. So he just sold it to me, and <laughs> I just bought. You know, it's uh, it was just one of those sorts of things that. But he sort of had said, "Give me the directive. You, I'm not going to muck him around." And as it turned out, I. I Absolutely loved it. You know, he went out to the, especially in those days, I was, we were very much a Queensland focused business. We had a bit of a demarcation about halfway down New South, but it was sort of like Forrest Gump style. I wonder what's down there. So I just started running. So, you know, when we got to, when I got to parks, I was like, oh, I wonder who's in Forbes. So I drove down to Forbes and introduced myself to Stuart. He goes, He goes, yeah, I wonder when someone from an would show up here. And so then I you know keep going keep going well then I hit water and that was Melbourne so I turned right and then you ended up over in South Australia and so probably 14 years I spent 30 odd weeks in the car plus and you know, I wouldn't change it for anything over to Western Australia and I opened up all there and you fall in with all the all the customers and, and then you're like a you're like their guest so obviously what does everyone want to do when you've got a guest you want to show them the best of what they've got. So I was out in Kalgoorlie spending weekends out there you'd go diving in Esperance or you know, diving on the Great Barrier Reef and I was stuck up in Cairns and I say stuck with in very big inverted commas you know because um, it was a two they were two week trips and that's what you had to spend the weekend somewhere so you know and you get thirsty on a weekend when you've been away for for a couple of weeks so it, yeah, I look back on, that, on those years of, of, uh, of rep when I was a full-time rep for the, for the business and uh, very, very fondly actually,
0: yeah. And one thing I always wondered, obviously Bob sold you on the idea of, of being a rep for Adina. And I know when I worked for Adina, when I got to learn from both yourself and Bob how to go in and, and sell our watches, both have a different style but I, I knew that when I walked in with you, regardless of what was going on in that business, they were gonna finish that. They were gonna finish that visit feeling better than they were when they started. Like you're gonna walk in, be enthusiastic, and be positive no matter what. Is that Was that you what you brought to the business, or is that always how Bob was, or how does it work?
1: Oh, rip, ripping I don't know, I've loved it because I love the the, the energy that you can bring to a shop. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of our customers are in regional Australia and you know some of there's that it, they they're sometimes inward looking when they've been in a country town and they've they're seeing the same people. And the reps from the old days, like my grandfather was a rep, you know, so the reps from the old days would bring, they were the bearers of information, you know, there was no web, you know. And so when Rep blew into town, he had all the guys from down in Sydney or whatever. and, Oh wow, it was all exciting. And I always took the I always took the mindset that I, I wanted to get to know these people. I want I didn't want to just get to know the owner of the business. I wanted to know all the, the team that worked there. You know, they're in horse riding, camp drafting, hockey, soccer, football, whatever. But I wanted to genuinely know who they were because. They They were at the coalface selling our watches. And I felt it was very unjust of me just to go in and expect them to buy something off me and then just walk out the door again. So, uh, this is where, obviously, being from a hospitality background, people used to come to the bars that I used to run and wanna have a good time. It's no different when you go out with your mates or whatever, if if you're down in the dumps, no one wants to know you. If you go into a shop down the dumps, no one's gonna buy anything off you. So it was always about maintaining a very positive outlook. Sure, sometimes you don't sell, some weeks you don't sell. And that's, a, as, a, as a salesperson, that's sometimes a little bit hard to swallow. But it's not always about making the sale, you know? It, it's about those relationships and, and how you, you might be able to spot something that's going on in the business and say, have you, have you thought about trying this? I saw a guy that did this, and I would never say I saw, you know, Joe Blow Jeweler do this. I would always say, I've seen this done and it worked quite well, or I never wanted to put, ever put somebody and compare them to another shop because they might know that shop or know of that shop. So it was always, I've seen this done, it might be worth a try. So if, if you could be positive with the with the retailers and give them new ideas, that's just as important as, as making the sale because invariably further down the track, they get to know you and they get to trust you and the trust... is. It's all yours. It doesn't matter who you go and work for or where you take it. What you what I love probably the most about the road life was when I put my paw out and the customer took it in my his hand in my hand or her hand in my hand, everything that I brought behind that hand was mine. Yes, I represented Adina, yes, I in my mind I've got the we got we make the best watches, but that relationship that was developing between two people, that was you know so i was always very passionate to to, to give everything that i could to our retailers and 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 in time you know some we have some absolutely wonderful relationships with so many retailers around australia and that's you can't do that you know in the modern terms over a zoom meeting over a you know a, over a phone call you can you can only do that in the shops and the, the shops is that's, that's there, that's where they live, and it, you're working, walking into their home, and yet there's a respect that comes with that, and if you can get all those kind of elements of right, you can really foster a beautiful relationship that works for both sides. You know, we're making something that, to sell, mm-hmm. but we, that puts food on all the boys' tables here at Adina. but when the retailers sell that watch, that's putting food on their table. So they need to be confident in selling it. And so there's so much more than just just the watch, you know? Mm.
0: And is there a specific retailer story that you can think of where you went from not stock your to stock your to now? That you could maybe I, lots, I got lots of retailer stories. <laughs> I got loads. Um, Just but, pick any. Any well, that comes uh, to uh,
1: mind. One that comes to mind straight away is probably when I first started, and that's you got to appreciate I was 24, I used to have a ponytail, believe it or not, you know. It, is, um, it was the 90s, you know, so you can get away with that sort of, that carry-on. I mean, young roosters are doing it now though, but it's, um, you know, I walked into this shop, I would had one week's training of Dad, you know, then off you go, there's the bag, there's the car, there's the map, off you go. So I drove down, and I got across the border into Moree. Moree, regional country town, about, I don't know, five hours drive from Brisbane. A guy, Stephen, a couple of years older than me. Um, I blew into his shop just before five. You know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, here I am. Here's a messiah of watches. How are you going? And Stephen's a very quietly spoken country fellow. And he goes, who are you? He said, oh, I'm mean, the new Adina guy. You know? He said, right. I said, mate, you're killing it with our stuff. Is this, this is all you got left? He goes, oh, it's all I carry. I was like, there's like six watches in the cabinets. Stephen would have now an easy 180 watches in both his Gunda Windy and his Moore shop. But to, to book in that story, he said, come back tomorrow. No, no, no I'm, I'm here now, you know. He said, I'm ready to work, you know. He said, no, no, just come back tomorrow. if you know the guy, you'll you'll understand how he is. I said, right. So I thought, I'm gonna be the cheapest rep on the road. I'm on wheat bigs and you know, Dad's going to be so proud of me that my expenses are super low, you know. So I've gone, before I've checked into the motel, I've gone to the to the Woolies and oh, I've got to get some wheat bigs and you know, up and down the aisles and there's Steve in the retailer. He's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just getting my energy together to come and see you tomorrow, you know. He's like, go over there, get a steak. I said, oh, I've got nowhere to cook, it. I haven't even cooked. Where is that? I said, I haven't booked in anywhere. Just go get a steak come and stay at my place. Now the guy didn't know me from Adam. (laughs) And next thing I'm with him and his flatmate, we're having a couple of res, we're eating steaks, and country hospitality, and you just strike a chord with people. And, you know, the guy is obviously now a very, very close friend, but also an incredible, you know, um, an Adina Adora loves what we do with our watches and the support we provide. But he went out on a limb to to have a have a take a bet on someone he knew nothing about. I just blew in through his door, you know, fifteen minutes earlier. And next thing, I'm staying at his house and we're having a steak and a red wine. And you know, that's how I remember when I was you know backpacking around Europe and that how things can unfold and how you know great friendships can be forged and. I just always saw that as as what a wonderful start to my repping career. Um, I, I only sold, I think six watches I think the next day, so it wasn't nothing, <laughs> nothing to write home about. But um, but it, yeah, I, I've, uh, I've been vindicated, you know, so he's now a, a, a very, very, very um, strong supporter of us and our brand.
0: And so since those days, what's happened with the watches?
1: Oh, watch designs. Watch designs have evolved a lot, you know, but they always have two, Chris, you know? Like, when I first started school, um, I had a wind-up, watch, the kid next to me had a Casio that had a calculator in it, you know? I was like, wow, look at this thing go, you know? I was like, I just wind-up, you know? And it just tells the time, you know? So there's always been a tech offering, and those tech offerings have evolved to smart watches that are around today. Um, but for us, we've stuck with what we know. We make conventional analog timepieces. At the heart of every Adena is a Swiss repairable movement. We've maintained our relationship with our Swiss suppliers for the end of 50 years. Um, and we design around those movements. Um, in, uh, in the 70s, they wanted us to make digital watches. We just stuck to what we knew that we could do well. In the 80s, swatch was all the rage. Oh, Bob, you know, you need to make some watches that look like these. Uh, I don't know so much, you know. I don't want to go to a monocoque design and have to, all the tooling there. I think I'll stick with what I know. And then, you know, it was in the nineties, oh, you gotta make a surf watch, you gotta do that. We did dabble in that, you know, we didn't get burnt, but we didn't, you know, Lamborghinis parked out in the front, I can assure you off that, off that episode. But we had a bit of a little crack at it, but we weren't rootkill, we weren't Quicksilver. The, the, the genre didn't match for us, you know? So it was about, you know, being true to who we are and what we do. And so we went, not that we went right off the rails, but we went and back to what we do well, and we do waterproof watches well, at dressy, we do ladies waterproof watches really well. Ladies bracelets, you know, bracelets were huge in the early 2000s, and when I talk about bracelets, I mean sort a, of a, a dress watch type of thing. Um, but our pedigree has always been waterproof. So um, in, the, in the sort of 2010, 2011, Business had really started to dry off at the back of the GFC. It was, it was a bit challenging out there. There was a, su- suites of brands were flooding into Australia to, and the retailers were were in this sort of feeding frenzy of the next big thing. Pandora had created something that, that the retailers had never seen before um, in the jewelry sense and our our customers are all jewelers. So they're always waiting. Well, I don't want to miss, if I missed out on Pandora, I'm not going to miss out on the next big thing. And we're like, right. All, was and, so we kept doing what we do, keep offering the service, keep doing everything that we did well. And in the end that that has truly prevailed. You know, we've evolved a lot of those dress watches into waterproof, so we've done what we do really well. So now we would be quite comfortably one of the only brands getting around that you can have a beautiful diamond set watch that looks like you, you ought to be wearing it to the Academy Awards and you could just go and wear it to the beach, you know. So it, it, it's um That's the Australian way. That's how we are as Australians. So it makes a lot of sense to both Dad and myself that we make watches that fit the brief of who we are as Australians. You know, and as an Australian manufacturer, if we don't know who we are, we might as well chuck in the towel. So, you know, for me, it was always when we're designing something is, you know, not that I'm a quintessential Australian, but you know, would this fit into the circles of friends and people that I know, would they wear this when they go out? Would they, you know, if they're going camping on Morton, would they wear it? And, you know, and, you know we've got friends that, that we do camp on Morton on, you know, out in Morton Bay with, them, that, that wear their dress Oceaneer that looks like it ought to be going to the Academy Wears. Jenny's wearing it camping, you know, it's, it's, but that's what it's designed for. And so there's been an evolution of design, but it's always been very true to who we are and our core of waterproof repairability, durability, and just an Australian way of life. And you find now,
0: it's really easy to keep telling that story (coughs) because the retailers know that when they see Adina, they can expect that they're gonna get exactly what they get at the bottom end as what they get at the high end, and that is that Swiss movement well-built, made in Australia, like it's, it's just it really interesting to me.
1: So what's happened? The whole, like the a whole time difference.
0: you just went, no, 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 we're good at this. We're just going to keep doing this. This is how we are. The retailers know exactly how it's going to be. They can stand up behind a Adina and say, Mate, we know the guys who make it. They're in Brisbane. Send it back to them. They'll get it sorted if anything's ever a problem
1: comes back to you know, that conversation of relationships, you know, that, that trust that you build up with somebody else to, to, yes, they'll put it in their window and yes, they'll sell it. But it's with our watches, well, we'd like to feel it's not transactional. Hmm. Um, you know, people go, oh, we've, we've got 10 of those SKUs now. In my mind, we don't make SKUs, we make watches and each of those watches has a name. It's a, an NK60 or an NK150. Or a, Now, each of those names means it has a personality. So that personality needs to find another personality to go is It's like running an orphanage, and each one of our little watches that live in one of those jewelry stores is, is an orphan that needs a home. So, when the the consumer comes into the store, that they need to understand the story behind each of those watches. So when they buy that watch, well then they can they know it's going to work with them. And I think to 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 go not too far off tangent, but. It you know it's that relationship again that's at the core, and you know in the last probably half dozen seven or eight years we've moved our website to an e-commerce site, and so it's it's um we never wanted to go into competition with the people that had always worked so closely with us. It was something that we wanted to support that relationship with, and it's interesting from a, a bit of a rocky start. What we've now you know our our website is a huge tool for our retailers, and so often through now what our digital strategy is, people come in the shop with their phone and they go, "I want to buy that watch." <laughs> we've already done all the selling for them. It's uh, we, we've we've told the story. We've 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 got the the consumer to understand the the ethos of what Adina is and our authenticity of being Australian and making here in Australia, and they have a desire genuine desire to support us as it's a nice watch absolutely it's a reliable watch um there's probably hundreds of brands out there making good looking reliable watches but they want to invest their money they've their hard earns in what we've made and i can assure you that every time i see someone walking down the street or on the bus or sitting next to me on the plane and they're wearing one of our watches i am insanely proud that they could have picked thousands of different watches but they it's, uh, it's, it's what gets you out of bed every morning.
0: And and just thinking about it, it's Adina's been around for 50 years now, as of you, almost. and Thank you. And, and uh, obviously over that time, you've been out in retails and telling that story, and then eventually those stories needed to become digital. How did you go about <clears throat> doing that? Oh,
1: the, the digital journey's been an interesting one, actually. Yeah, and... I have to say I, I quite enjoy it, the, the digital space now, and I can remember it very, very clearly. We were talking about Moreton Island before, and uh, Nicole and my wife and I, and our kids were, were over on the island, and probably five years ago, maybe six years, you sort of lose track of time. It's, it's, you know, old age setting in, you know, I can't keep track. But it, it, I said to Nicole, who was quite keen on her socials, I said, look, I've got to not only embrace social media when we get home from, from holidays but I've got to love it and uh, I've got to love telling our story and once I got my head around what social media was and the, and the ability to, to tell a story you know i, I love telling stories who, who doesn't you know who doesn't love going out to the pub with their mates or going to a barbecue and you're all telling stories to one another I just thought that's what social media kind of was but Instead of just talking to your mates or your wife or your kids, or you're talking to a retailer, telling a story about something that happened, you're telling a much broader audience. But I think that that's, that's what makes you authentic, That what makes you Australian, that's what makes you who you are. It's, it's the stories that are in the background of not only you as a person, but also the brand. And the brand is full of stories from all, all the boys and girls that work here, to, to, to myself, to dad, to, you know, our kids now come here and they tell their friends stories about when they are, when I was at Dad's work, when I was at Poppy's work, you know, um, those stories resonate. So socials for us became an avenue to tell those stories and, and, and it's, it's, there's nowhere to hide there. And people can say whatever they like out there. And, and, but I've, I gave up a long time ago trying to be everything to everybody. And so for us we have to be true to ourselves, to our watches, to our brand, to our family. I have to look at the guys in the eyes that I work with every day and they, ha- they have to believe in me and I have to believe in them. And probably the best example I can give of that, Chris, was last year when in March and April, COVID was getting going in this country and uh, I will never forget it was a Friday and um, I, I didn't know what was going to happen to late latest March. Um, and I s- said to Renee, who runs our books, I said, "Look, Renee, can you just run me a, a report on everything that we owe to anyone right now, as it stands? And can you run me a report of of what's outstanding to us as of right now, and what we have in the bank?" So she did this, and I had a look at it. Right. And if if no no more money come in, how could we? How much longer could we hang in there? If if the The tap completely turned off. So I said to Dad, I I said I want to have a one-on-one with everybody in the building. So one by one all the team came to the boardroom and we sat down and and sort of talked about it, what it looked like. And the remedy that I had in my mind was because we have two very distinct sides of our business, we have production and we have repairs. Um, And I thought well what we could do is we could run production for like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we could run repairs Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, we have a changeover day in the middle. Um, you know, we, we're quite big workshops here so we could all work in the same place. Um, so we don't have to stop. We've, in my mind, I had to keep going. I, I have to keep going. And um, each one of the guys and the girls, we came in and I sort of said, look, I can only pay you for three days a week. Like, they've got commitments, mortgages, all this, But I said I want to make sure that we're on the we come out the other side of this, and the only way that we can do this is we all have to take a hit. You know, I'm gutted to say this to you guys. You know, but all of them, bar one, was sort of was not sort of was completely on board with the with the philosophy of that. Then, luckily, you know, we live in Australia, and the Prime Minister announced JobKeeper on that Sunday. Maybe I would never had to have that conversation that I had on the Friday. But for me as a person, um, that was made me very driven to make sure that I said to them, as a group, I said, well, my ass points in the ground, I will not let us go under. And that, not have got just thinking about it, it was just such a crazy, crazy day. But, um, you know, we just lived on the phones then and we just chased the business, we encouraged our retailers to do the right thing, they weren't forced to close. Um, so. Was a, in a way, it was a bit of an opportunity because the majors—that's the Angus and Coots, the Prouds, the Michael Hills—they'd all closed, and the biggest competition in the independent channel where we activate is the majors. So, from this precipice, we were presented with an opportunity, and an opportunity that probably wouldn't have been presented to us if we'd just gone, gone "Right, over, let's just close for a few months and see what happens." We made a very, very conscious decision to to support the retailers, to basically give them anything they wanted and to, to make sure they survived. Because if they survived, we survived. And that meant I could keep putting food on these guys' tables. And we came up, Nicole just got, my wife just, she was, what hair scheme have you come home with tonight? You know, wow! Well, we, you know, there's no, there's no exact date. So what we can do is we can light the dawn. The RSL's doing this. So what we'll do is every watch that we sell online, we'll give them a candle. I've got this other family business that's got these candles, and, and I've done a deal with them. Da, 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 da. And we're going to give some money to Legacy because that's going to help them because they've got no donors. So if we sell a watch, we give them a candle, and we give money to Legacy. And there's a little bit left over for us, so we keep going. You know, just, She's like, oh, off you go. You know, so, so we made that all happen, and now we we're doing secret sales, and it just went on and on and on, and Nicole's like, enough. I said, no, 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 I've got a new one. No more ideas, stop, you know? So, but it was that time where, and I think I, I sort of reminisced, not that I can remember what it was like for Dad with his back against the wall in the early 70s when he would sell some watches and then he would go back and see him on Friday and said, look, if you fix me up with a cheque now, I'll give you an extra 5%, and then he would race to the bank with a cheque to make sure that the business had enough money to keep the whole thing going. That's true back against the wall stuff, and probably last March, April, May, was in my 26-year career with Adina was probably that back against the wall stuff, And and to their credit, the team stepped up and put in, and... As I said, you know, we were lucky to live in Australia and to get that job And When we came off JobKeeper in September, I, I wear that like a badge of honour that we were able to thank the government for their, for their support, but now we support back by, you know, paying our taxes on the button and all those sorts of things to help keep the economy uh, economy rolling. So, yeah, but it was yeah, crazy times when you sort of look in the revision mirror, that's for sure so do you think the, the retailers appreciated what you did for them during that time? Oh, there's no doubt in my mind, there's no doubt in my mind. It's, um, everyone was scared. No one knew anything, any, like luckily I'm um, part of you know, a, a nice network of people and you know from bigger organisations and we were getting fed a lot of information that was coming direct from government about grants and you know and things that we could apply for. I was feeding that straight back to our retailers, who were then applying for different things that were going on. These, are, some of these, are real, just very, very brass tax family business. You know, mum and dad um, work in the shop all day, and what they earn, they that's what puts food on their table. And they might have one or two staff, and they, we were all everyone was scared. You know, no one knew what the what the what the outcomes were going to be, um, but. To your point earlier about trying to be upbeat you know i try to take that what i took to the retailers when i got called on their stores to those phone calls i was making and and asking what their fears were and oh we had a guy come down and said yeah you shouldn't be open you know and i said well ask them to put themselves in your shoes it's it's you know it's chris anderson Jewelers. chris anderson needs money to survive and it's my name above the door so i need to Fit this guy's watch battery. I'm not any. I'm not. I'm doing the right thing from a COVID re- requirements, but the twenty dollars he's just spent in my thing. Well, I can go to Woolies now and buy some dinner. It's it's that powerful, you know. So to, to encourage our retailers to to keep doing what they're doing, people were still having birthdays. People were still getting engaged. Um, I think there's going to be a COVID baby boom, you know. So you know there was there were relationships being formed in that time. Um, the jewelry industry is part of all of that. And so for for us and we had to su- support the guys who were and the people who have supported us and, and I I'll, I'll, never, I'll never for for the rest of my days I'll never forget it. I will never forget those months, you know, what it was like to to just sit all day I wore out a set of earbuds um that the cords were so ratty and the cords were hanging out from me twisting them, you know, as I'm as I'm talking to the retailers cuz they are looking for me for support and I'm trying to give them as much as I can, but I didn't know what was going to happen either. Mm. Um, yeah, so they, those, those those calls a shot. <laughs> well, naturally.
0: So you made it through 2020. We're yep. in early 2021. Where to from here?
1: Oh, look, in our 50th year, we've, we're lucky enough. We, we, we'll have to probably go back again to come forward. Mm. Um, in 2019, we were the naming rights sponsor of the World Cup of Polo Cross. And I didn't know a lot about cross before I got involved in it. And wow, what a sport that is, just quietly. But it gave us confidence that we could put our name to big events. You know, sometimes you've got to back yourself. And I didn't know what that was going to go like at the, at the World Cup. We made a bespoke watch for each of the players. Um, that The only way you could own one of these watches was to play for your country. Um, it just went over fantastic. The community really... Uh, the, the Polychrist community really embraced us. Um, the Warwick community, who, and we have an amazing retailer out in Warwick, a little bit nervous about our involvement but has grown so much from, from that involvement, um, gave us the confidence to seek out events that might be a, a good fit for us. Um, and earlier, or late last year, we were approached by the Brisbane, the Gladstone Yacht Race. and. The the B2G is the second biggest yacht race um, behind the Hobart, and so very auspicious sailing event. They were looking for a naming rights sponsor, and they sort of we sort of courted each other. I felt the fit for us was probably better in their timekeeping side of things. Um, and to their credit, they've they've got the 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 Glasgow Port Authority on as the naming rights sponsor. Pardon me for the next sort of uh, three years and that's an exciting involvement for not only the Port Authority, but also for the Queensland Cruising Yacht um, Quad, as well as ourselves. You know, So between the three of us, we've got three years to working towards their 75th um, race. Didn't get the race last year in 2020. So this year with no Sydney to Hobart, there are already some incredible maxis already starting to line up. So it could be this year, the most exciting B2G ever. and We're lucky enough to be coming along for the ride. You know, you know so it's a uh, yeah that's 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 something you know that's been exciting we're, we're a very active member of um, the, the family business community here in Australia both dad and I are very passionate about family business um, it, it's it's a it's a interesting space where we're challenged a lot but you think you're on your own but strangely enough all the other family businesses are <laughs> struggling with the same thing so you know it's nice to get around round tables and talk about those challenges so We had an amazing event here um, in February, uh, in early Feb. Uh, We had 52 family business owners come through ours and we've never opened our workshop up, open before to outside people to come wandering through and I gave them all the 10 cent tour, which turned into about 20 minutes each time. And I said, I'll give you 10 minutes, but it it always took 20 20 plus and that was, and they're like, Grant, there's other people wanting to come through. I'm like, but I want to show you this and I want to show you that. so that was, that was really great to sort of share what we do and how we do it with fellow your peers in family business. Uh, we've got, of course, we've got a number of uh, you know, releases that we're doing in our 50th year that we are, you know, the goal is to make them real little signature models that will be enduring as, oh, this is a 50 year Adina model. Uh, and we're keeping some of those closely guarded under wraps um so but we've already released three new ladies oceaneers and they've been really well received i was up in north Queensland um two weeks ago and uh the retail said wow why weren't you showing me these before christmas i so, said well before christmas wasn't our 50th year you know we've got this whole year to sort of make a song and dance about these new models so you know they've been really greatly received we've got a new gents and ladies we're releasing probably next week new gents oceaneer after that our Ears are our waterproof watches so um, Ears was the signature area of our brand and was the brand is the area of the brand that sort of dad sort of hung his hat on in the 70s when he was looking for a niche that no one else was sort of dominating. So yes, between events, um, yacht races uh, and new releases, I think, and we're, and we're doing a little renovation here as well to try and give ourselves a little bit more workable space um, at, in our headquarters here in Woolongabba So there is a lot slated in for 2021.
0: Awesome. Can you talk us through what you've done and, and what you would love to do with bespoke watches for companies and schools? Oh, and bespoke, is,
1: bespoke is the area of our business. I, I probably love the most. I shouldn't really say that out loud, but I just love it. We've been lucky enough to, um, and how it all got going, was, was with Horizon or Queensland Rail, and then when they became Horizon. Horizon always used our watches as a retirement gifts. And it was basically one of our watches off the shelf. We stamped our name and horizon on the same dial and when when Grant Menzies retired after 25 years at uh, you know, Grant Menzies 25 years service off you off your web. But the idea of the business was sort of changing in their award and recognition space. And I got to work with a fellow called Chris Allen. And Chris was was brought into this Area of Horizon to try and create a very different idea to reward the, the staff whilst they were in the business, not when they left the business. So, um, and there was talk about going out of watches altogether, and once again, another a real strong memory of mine, I jumped on a plane up to Mackay um, to where Chris's office was, and I went and introduced myself on, sitting on Grant, the, the watch guy, you know. Um, we've been doing these watches now with the business for the thick end of 40 years and, and we'd hate it, that relationship to end, Where, where's your head at? And his ideas is we'll, we could probably use watches for 20 years service for men and women and for 40 years service. Uh, traditionally, the 40 year service watches were always a pocket watch. Because you remember the railway fellows, they used to you know, wear the pocket watches and that was how the timekeeping was done. So. Pocket watches and railways sort of go together really nicely. So what we created was a gents and ladies bespoke. So the only way you can own this watch is to have done your 20 years um, at Horizon. Or the only way you can own this pocket watch is to have done your 40 years at Horizon. Now we get Inquiry, all the time from railway, railways have a strong fan base or people who are in in intensely you know, interested in railways and they want to own railway memorabilia that's authentic. So we get approached often, especially out of the states, for people who want to buy, they know have heard about it, they want to buy this pocket watch. It's not for sale, it is for you, 40 year recipient of uh, that have worked at Horizon. So that then, then sort of we had this going on about, and I didn't think too much about it, but the school where I went around here in Brisbane, we were having a bit of an old boys dinner and the president of the old boys happened to be sitting next to me and said, oh, as a throwaway line, for the hundred years, I said, you should get me to make a watch for you. And Con looked at me and goes, you actually really make them? I said, yeah, we make them. That's what we do. You could make one just for us. I said, yeah, hundred percent. And that set the wheels in motion to make this bespoke hundred year churchy watch that sold out in a matter of weeks. It was just, went gangbusters. And, and that then sort of, it was a light bulb moment for me. I sort of, wow, maybe there's other people that might like something that's bespoke to them. So that's given us the opportunity now to work with Bond University um, for the, in their graduation space. Uh, we're working closely with, um, with Warwick Firearms. They're an Australian firearms manufacturer down in Melbourne. They wanted us to create a bespoke watch for them that's plated in this hard-wearing uh, hard Cerakote that that they plate the rifles in. So you can buy yourself a new Warwick firearm and accessorize it with a, with an Adina Warwick firearms watch. Um, and, and our charity, Legacy, when we were at the ball um, late last year, we actually put up three Warwick firearms watches that were absolutely unique one-offs. So, and they went up for auction and I think we raised the end of 6,000 off those three watches. So that was quite exciting. So the bespoke space is, um, we've got some amazing inquiry that I certainly won't tell you what they are on air, but I'll I'll tell you off air what they are that will blow your mind. Um, But iconically Australian. And what's also humbling is these brands want to come and work with us. Um, They obviously feel that there's a connection of what we do and how we do it and an authenticity that we, we bring to our watch producing that will resonate with their brand. Um, so that's intensely humbling, you know, when people come and say, well, would you mind making something for us? And we put our name and their name on it. there, yeah, it's cool.
0: Awesome. And before we wrap up, is there anything we haven't covered?
1: Oh, I could wrap it on about our watches all night. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no two ways about that. Uh, I, I love what we do and how we do it. Um, we every watch that comes out of here, we're intensely proud of. Um, the journey that we've been on for the last 50 years, hopefully is just the start for the next 50 years. Um, we have four, four children, perhaps one or all might like to get in, involved in there. Um, you don't know. Um, for me, I, I, I love rolling in here every day and, uh, and working with our team of watchmakers and designing new things. I, I speak with our customers all the time Know, you know I tear around here with my backside on fire dad's dad's still here every day you know he's he's leading the watchmaking team um, and setting the example for us you know there's that old analogy of you know do something you love and you never work a day in your life so you know I don't know any other way to look at it. yes there's challenging times but the good certainly will outweigh the bad
0: awesome That's great. thanks very much for your time hey
1: Chris it was awesome thank you so
0: much